This week we present a radio drama of stark realism. I'm looking forward to my acting assignment for two reasons. In the first place, I feel that the story justifies its use because of its significance as well as its intense human drama. And secondly, because once again I've been successful in obtaining my favorite leading lady, one of radio's finest actresses, Miss Lorene Tuttle. Thank you, Les. I, too, am waiting anxiously for the curtain to rise so I can play opposite one of my favorite leading men. Thank you, Miss Tuttle. I don't want no drunks hanging around my place. You take your hands off me. I paid my money. My dough's as good as anybody. Right around here it ain't. I don't try and come back here. <laughs> Let him alone, Gus. He ain't doing any harm. Well, it all depends on what you call harm. He's ruining my business. I won't have drunks He's hanging. a good kid, Gus. I know him. He works down at the plant. Well, I won't have him. All around. right, so you won't. But don't hit him again or I'll hit you. I'll take care of him. Now get away from him. Sure, I know drunks. Why shouldn't I? It takes one to know one. When I was 23, I was foreman of my department at the plant. I had a wife, two kids, a house, and nearly a thousand bucks in the bank. I was the fair-haired boy at work, a member of the old-timers club on the bowling team and regular fellow to the bosses and to the guys I worked with. I took a drink once in a while just to be sociable, but I always thought I could either take it or leave it alone. I was hardly aware of how I'd changed until the evening of our 13th anniversary. Ruth and Mike. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, dear Frank. Where's that keyhole? Never mind your key, Frank. The door's open. Uh, where are the kids? They've gone out to play. Before dinner? They've had their dinner, Frank. Ours is on the table. I waited to eat with you. Yeah, thanks. Still don't see why the kids couldn't have waited, though. On our anniversary, too. Oh, don't make a mountain out of a molehill, Frank. You know kids. They meet their friends at one of those Coke places that have a jukebox. Why don't they have their friends here like they used to? I know. You don't have to say it. They're ashamed of me. Sit down and eat, Frank. The dinner's getting cold. I served it when I heard you coming up the steps. Those steps and this dump. Not like when we had our own house, huh, Ruth? Oh, Frank, we could have it again if you're just... I can quit drinking any time I want to. I know you can I was talking to the minister. I've never been in a church, Ruth, and I don't need any minister to tell me how to quit drinking. I can quit any time I want to. I see. Well, Frank, I've tried to avoid this, but now I've decided that an anniversary is a good time to take inventory, to settle accounts, to map out the future. Oh, you're right, I guess. It's time I pulled myself together. There isn't any use going on like this year after year. So between now and our next anniversary, you'll have to decide whether you're going to be a husband and a father or a drunk. That's very fair, Ruth. And I've decided. I'm going to straighten up in this year. And I'm going to help you all I can. But I do think there are others who could help more. Now listen, Ruth. For the last time, I don't need any preachers or social workers or anybody else. I'm a man, see? And I've made up my mind to quit drinking. It won't be easy, maybe, but with my mind set on it, I can do it. I can do it with one hand tied behind my back. Yes, I made a fight to overcome my weakness. That was my trouble. I thought it was a weakness I could overcome. 
like building up muscles so you can beat the school bully. But alcoholism isn't a weakness. It's a dread disease that gets into your bloodstream, into the marrow of your bones, into the cells of your brain. It requires skilled help and understanding. I, in my stupid pride, refused the help of my wife and well-wishers. At the end of the year... It's for the good of the children, Frank. You know that. I realize that, Ruth. You want to know something funny? I have an idea that living alone without you to lean on is going to be just what I need. And you don't mind the separation? Mind it? The last thing in the world I want. But I know I'll beat this thing alone. But the single fight wasn't any easier. I lost my foreman's job at the plant and was put back on the bench. I stopped eating regular meals and took to drinking even more, running up a big bill at Gus between paydays. And then... This is your last paycheck, Frank. I'm really sorry. You're a good mechanic when your hand's steady. But I can't have a fellow I can't depend on. It's all right, Mr. Smalley, I understand. Besides, a fellow down at Universal Steel was begging me to come down there. Just last week. Better pay, too. I was bluffing, of course. No one was looking for me for any job. I began to spend my days as well as nights down at Gus after I got fired. I kept going steadily downhill, but I kept telling myself that I'd straighten out by Christmas. It was the beginning of December already. Another drink, Gus. I said I want another drink. What are you doing, Gus? Hold your horses, hold your horses. You ain't going anywhere. <laughs> I, uh, I'm putting up uh, Christmas decorations. Uh, you can wait a minute. I ain't even supposed to be open on Sunday mornings. You ain't supposed to be putting up Christmas decorations the first week in December, either. Afraid somebody won't remember to buy your Christmas presents? Ha <laughs> ha, not me, not me. I already seen the things your wife and kid have got hidden in the hall closet. You, uh, you buying your kids and Mrs. something? Hey, hey, quit playing that radio. You want the cops coming in and finding me here on Sunday? I know what I'm giving my wife for Christmas. Me. I'm going to quit drinking and get a job. I won't have to come in this dump of yours again. Where's that drink? We interrupt the program with a news flash. Where it has just been received that Japan has attacked Pearl Harbor. Today, December 7th, 1941, will go down in history. At 7.55 this morning, approximately 135 planes appeared over Hickam Field in the first wave of the most savage... I signed up a couple of days later. In the Army, I'd be forced to toe the line. That's what I needed. It was this way, Bill. Took the examination, and they gave me these stripes. I was an expert machinist back home. Yeah? And you been in long? I joined up right off, too. But I guess I'm slated to be a buck private for a while. Well, you stick with me, Bill. I'll teach you the ropes. See, that's full of you, Sarge. You said you have a family, didn't you? Hmm? I bet they were awful proud when they saw you in uniform with those sergeant stripes and all. Well, I guess they're proud, all right, but they haven't seen me in uniform. They shipped me to this dump the day I enlisted. Oh, no, it's not so bad here. I sort of like the South. Yeah, so do I. Like the Sahara Desert. Come on, Frank, don't drink anymore. We're due back at camp. What? Huh? We've only got an hour, Frank. You go ahead, I'll get. We gotta leave now. They'll have your strike. They won't have anything. I'm an expert machinist. The army needs me, see? You'll run along. Well, there's plenty to do without drinking, Frank. I think our training is pretty exciting. Eh, you're younger, see. You don't realize that this playing soldier is just a bunch of Boy Scout stuff. I can quit drinking when I have to. It'll be different when I get overseas. Hi, you soldier. Just get in? Yeah, I was on that transport pulled in last night. <laughs> you uh, wouldn't happen to know where a guy could get a drink, would you? Got any money? 
Oh, some. How much do I need? A hundred. A hundred bucks? Are you crazy? No, no. You see, around here, you've got to have a contact. Got another right guy. Yeah, but why a hundred bucks? Well, that's what they charge. Three bottles for a hundred bucks. We sell two for fifty bucks a piece, see? And then we... <laughs> we drink the third one for free. <laughs> that doesn't sound so bad that way. I got the contact. You got the hundred? <laughs> I'll get it. Soldier, come on, Frank. Now you got to get up. No good, no good, Bill. What's no good? We drank all three bottles. We got to get another hundred bucks if we want more liquor. You got some money, Bill? You borrowed my last cent, Frank. Well, maybe you'd like me to leave you alone. Maybe now that you're a sergeant, you don't want to be my pal. I'd lend you the money if I had it, Frank. Not that it would do you any good. What are you talking about? Not that it would do you any good. Keep it under your hat, Frank. We're shipping in a couple of hours, going north. A small island where you won't be able to make a contact. This is it, Frank. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. That was it, all right. Our outfit was moved to a remote island repair shop where we were kept busy day in and day out for almost two years. I couldn't find anything to drink anywhere, and gradually the desire for liquor seemed to leave me. I was getting brown as a native, lean and healthy looking. Hold that post, Frank. <laughs> what are you going to do? Take a picture? Yeah, that's right. Wait till Ruth and your kids got a load of this one. Wait, wait, till I get a shirt. Ah, I got it. You look swell just the way you are. Big, handsome soldier. Yeah, I do look like a soldier, even if there aren't any Japs around here. Sarge. <laughs> Sarge yourself, Frank. <laughs> yeah, those stripes sure look good on you. You got them the hard way this time. <laughs> but don't kid yourself about the Japs. There are plenty of them up in those hills. Frank, doesn't seem all be quiet to you tonight? Naturally, it's quiet. They transferred all our infantry to back of city. Well, they should have left some here. What would we do if the Japs took a notion to come down? <laughs> Quit worrying. We got three more jobs to get out tonight here. Start that lathe going, son. Still sounds too quiet to me. Frank. Frank, do you see something moving out there? Over by the rocks? Yeah. Bill, turn that lathe on. Pretend like you don't see anything. The machine gun on the end of the bench. It's repaired, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Hand me that gun, Bill. Just want to check and see if the loading chamber's all right. Okay, you baby! Come and get it! All women, including me, sort of go for a uniform. Well, I don't. I'm going to get out of this monkey suit. Uh, those old gray slacks still around? Now you're staying in your uniform. But tonight, anyway. The other boys will have theirs on. No, I don't think I'll go, Ruth. Too nice here at home. You're going to be a regular old stick in the mud, Frank Davis. <laughs> well, I won't let you. Now you're going to meet the fellows downtown like you planned. This will be your last chance to say goodbye to your pal, dear. Five years from tonight, we'll meet in the same spot. A deal? You bet it's a deal, as far as I'm concerned. I'll get back out here by hook or crook. <laughs> Let's have a drink on it, huh? Well, thank you, thank you. Well, I don't know how to say it, Frank, but I think you'd be better off not having a drink. Oh, it's silly. I got over all that. Fellow isn't even sure he's cured unless he takes a drink once in a while. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Bottoms up. Bottoms up. 
Didn't know whether you'd still be around here anymore, Gus. Yeah, yeah, the town hall will be you still here. <laughs> well, the first drink's on me, Frank. Okay, but the second one's on me. Hey, uh, you're not getting back in the rut, are you, Frank? Uh, not me. I've mastered controlled drinking. You had control. I got control, all right. Give me a drink in a hurry. Frank, that muster and pay ain't gonna last you long at this rate. You better go in and have a talk with Smalley. Smalley will give me my job back. He better not try anything funny with me. I know my rights. I'll tell him a thing or two. I'll say it once more. I'll try and get it straight. I'm not forced to give you your job back. You weren't working for me when you enlisted. You'd been fired. But I'll still put you on. You can start any time you want. Yeah, on a bench. Well, I can hold a foreman's job here as well as I did in the Army. I'll not make you a foreman as long as you're drinking, Frank. It's because you were in the Army that I'm willing to give you any job at all. Yeah, you're a great patriot. You made a fortune while I was sweating it out on a stinking island. Now you're going to be a big shot and give me a job out of charity, huh? Well, I don't need your charity. I can do without your job. I'll make out all right, you cheap profiteer. After I left Smalley, I went back to Gus kept drinking that night until I passed out. I found out later that Gus had a couple of fellas help carry me to a cheap hotel room a few doors away. I must have slept for a few hours, and then I awoke to the unfamiliar gray of the room's dirty walls. Uh, where's the phone? Uh, need a drink. Uh, rotten hotel, no service. Gotta have a drink. Go downstairs and get a bottle. Thinking hotel, cheap hotel. Good enough for a drunk like me. Nothing but a lush. Not give you a foreman's job as long as you're drinking, Frank. Well, I'm still drinking, still drinking. <laughs> Need a drink. This will be your last chance to say goodbye to your pal, Bill. Last chance to say goodbye to anyone. Good old Bill. Good old Ruth. Poor Ruth. Married to a drunk. Well, she'll be better off without a husband. Uh, this is where I left him. I don't know whether he's still here. Thanks, Gus. We'll manage now. Yes, that's him. Looks like he's had quite a celebration. Yes, he was celebrating our anniversary alone. It seems as though our anniversary is a real milestone. Oh, uh, if you don't mind, Mrs. Davis, I think it would be better if you waited outside. Or better yet, go on home. I'll call you. Uh, All right. I'll be waiting for uh, you. Thank you. Uh, oh. Hello. You can pump my stomach or do anything you want, but you're not going to save me. I want to die, see? Your doctors can't save a patient unless he wants to live. I've read it someplace. You're going to live, Frank. You can't get away that easily. I took enough stuff to be dead by now. And enough whiskey to counteract its effect. Even if you pulled me through, I'd do it again. I want to die, Doc. I'm not a doctor, Frank, but I know that you're a very sick man. Now turn over and face me. Uh, there, that's better. Now open your eyes and look at me. You'd better get used to this face, because you're going to be seeing a lot of me, Frank Davis. Oh, why do you keep pestering me? What's this all about? Who are you? It's another guy with the same disease you've got. Disease? Alcoholism. Takes more lives than diabetes. But unlike diabetes, it has no magical insulin. Ah, you 
still sound like a doctor. No, just a patient who recovered a little. Do you, do you think you can recover alone? No, and I don't care. That's why I... You see, you've already accomplished something. You've admitted that you're powerless to overcome alcoholism by yourself. That's the first step. The first step of what? What is this? Just a little program that was worked out to help guys like me. <laughs> I was a lot worse than you. Worse? And you got better, huh? How many steps are there? Twelve. And I've completed one already. Doesn't sound too tough. Won't be exactly easy, but we've proven that it can be done. What's the next step? To believe that a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity. Religion? Fellow doesn't have to be religious, but he does have to admit that he needs help from a power greater than himself. Uh, I need help from a power greater than myself, but all sounds too difficult, too confusing. Well, maybe I've tried to go too fast. We've got to get you out of this place, Frank. You mean I can go home? Not yet. You have to earn the right to that home of yours, Frank. But we are going to take you out of this dump. Where to? Sanitarium? I won't go. But it's just for a few days, Frank. Not for a cure. Just for a three-day drying out process. After that, on with the program. Yeah. Then, on with the program. I was left completely alone in the sanitarium for 24 hours. And then Mr. X, as he called himself, and some of his friends came and talked to me. They talked about what they had gone through. From the way they talked, I knew they weren't just handing me a line. I wasn't completely sold on this program idea, but it was a cinch I didn't have much to lose. Okay, Frank, we'll worry about the past later. But now, we're just going to worry about the present 24 hours. Well, I got through today, all right. What's the next step? To make a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself. Oh, I guess I've done that many a time. This time it's going to be different, Frank. You're going to look in a mirror and really hate yourself. You're going to be honest until it hurts. And you're going to pin yourself down. Okay. Okay, Frank, now start on the list. You won't be able to get anywhere with this deal unless you get it all down. Well, I guess Ruth and the kids come first. Sticking to the program as well as you have these past few months. Should go a long way there. And pay Gus what I owe him. Settle up with that fellow that took a swing at out of the plant. That's right. I gotta square myself with small. Well, Frank, you look wonderful. How many items have you got checked off your list? Good many of them, Mr. Smalley. My bill with Gus has cleared up. I've made a down payment on a new house. Well, new exactly, but it's not a walk-up. Maybe a new job will help you save fast. The foreman's job? Yes. And if oh. you keep this up, there might be a supervisor's job in another few months. Cunningham talks about going into business for himself. Oh, gee, that'd be wonderful, Mr. Smalley. When I left Smalley's office, I was walking on air. I kept working away at the program. Everything about me seemed different. But at the back of my head, there was the knowing worry that I'd slip. I kept praying to God that I wouldn't ever hurt Ruth again. She seemed so happy, and I'd given her a pretty rough time of it. Our 20th anniversary fell on Saturday. Fried chicken, salad, corn on the cob, everything Frank likes. Oh, thank heaven those kids went out to play. Now I can get dinner finished before he gets home. It's late. I wonder what can be keeping him. Well, he hasn't been this late in months. Hello? Mrs. Davis? Yes? This is Gus. Gus? Yeah. I I just called to say Frank will be a little late. He was delayed, but he's on his way home now. Gus? Gus? 
delayed a little. Not after all of this. It, it can't be. I'm glad the kids have gone out. I've been so proud of them. I'm really at the end of my rope. Delayed a bit. You mean drunk again, Gus. He's on his way home now. I wonder who's carrying him. I wish it were six of his dearest friends. Frank? Yes, dear. Sorry I'm late. Well, what? What did he change Well, I wanted to stop at the florist next door to Gus to pick up a little bouquet for our anniversary. I was just going in, and I saw Gus throwing a guy out, a young fellow who works down at the plant. So I took the kid home and tried to straighten him out. You started him on the program? Well, not yet, but I told him a little bit about it. I have a lot of work to do there. Oh, I'm so glad, Frank. I knew there must be a good reason for your being late. Uh, Ruth. Yes? I... I'm afraid I forgot the flowers. Yes, I'd forgotten the flowers, but I'd given Ruth the grandest anniversary present in the world. You see, last night I started on the last step of the program, helping another alcoholic find a way. And I know I'll make good on it because, you see, I've been through the mill. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to introduce a special guest whom we'll have to call Mr. Z. I have to remain nameless. That's one of the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous, an organization that has made it possible for me to maintain my sobriety for over seven years. AA has a program similar to the one that Frank Davis utilized in your story. We make an honest attempt to help victims of alcoholism, and I feel that you, too, have made a great effort in that direction with the splendid presentation on this week's show. I should very much like to thank the sponsors of this program for an interesting drama and a great public service. And I'd also like to extend my thanks and congratulations to Miss Lorene Tuttle and Mr. Les Mitchell for outstanding performances and for contributing to a great human cause. Thank you very much. I enjoyed playing a part again, and if in the performance of Inventory we also made a public service contribution, both Lorene and I are very happy. We certainly are. And thanks to you, Mr. Z, for being with us and for your words on alcoholism. In the cast, you heard Miss Loreen Tuttle as Ruth, Bill Martell as Gus, David Bond as Smalley, John Newland as Bill, and Don Shelton as Mr. X. Inventory was written by Bud Lesser and James Hayward, and produced and directed by yours truly, Les Mitchell, who also played the part of Frank. And now, I wish to thank you very much for attending this week's performance of our radio theater. And to say we hope you'll be back each and every week to hear Hollywood's movie stars in stories specially selected for them and for your entertainment. You turn your dial, and we'll save you two fine seats right up in front on the aisle.